So just a summary from last week, we talked about whose we are, who we are, and what we carry of kingdom, power, and authority. And we looked at the story of the storm where Jesus uh, calmed the storm, and we, we looked and we, we thought around what that whole situation would look like, um, how people would be feeling, and what was the learning that Jesus was teaching his disciples at that point. And we learnt the difference between little small faith as an adjective which was brief or short uh, and the, the little faith which is faith that you're using and how those two things are not the same. And as Jesus talked to the disciples after calming the storm that they had little faith, he was encouraging them not to be intermittent with their faith but to be, have a faith that they are using all the time. And we're going to pick up the story again in the second of the two storms. Um, so this is in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 36. And again, we're going to follow the pattern of looking at the context first. So Jesus is, again, same sort of context. Jesus has been teaching them, and then he's done... Um, amazing miracles among the people and then you have the story of feeding the 5,000 and uh, Katia Adams did an amazing talk on that which you will find on our, uh, our website I would encourage you to go and listen to that because I think the things she draws out about how the disciples um, were part of that feeding of the 5,000 is amazing so I would encourage you to look that up Katia Adams um, but it, that, again, was a very personal experience for the disciples that they had been involved, that Jesus actually at that point had said, uh, what, how are you going to feed them, guys? What are we going to do? And they were involved in, in using their faith to multiply food um, in, in such an amazing way. And then afterwards, after this story we're going to talk about, it just was miracles, miracles, miracles. And as a result of that, the 12 go out by themselves and they do amazing things. And last week I read um, a scripture where Jesus was telling to them about their authority, that he had invested all his authority in them. And they began to see that happen as they prayed for people. Demonic spirits came out, people were healed. And so they've done ama they do amazing things. And then sandwiched again, between those two things, feeding of the 5,000 and the disciples going off and being Jesus' representative and a representative kingdom authority and all that they did is this story of, is another storm story. And it's again, it's a bit on the way to, let's get in the boat and go over the other side. It's a bit of like when they were on the bus. Um, and we have the same disciples, we have a similar story we have a new learning situation. So I just want to read Matthew 14, verses 22 to, 20 to 36. And it says, As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and to go to the other side of the lake, while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray, and as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran for ran into trouble, for their boat was tossed about by high winds and heavy seas. 
At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, A ghost! Then Jesus said, Be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out into the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realised how high the waves were, he immediately became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? At the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. They said in adoration, you, truly, you are truly the Son of God. So this time in the story, Jesus is actually not even there. He's not. And he's leaving them to face it alone, with the same kind of trust and expectation of them being overcomers. And here are the disciples, another storm, another storm, and another reliance on their own abilities. And, uh, and it, it's easy, actually, to look at this, in a very, this story in a very objective way and say, oh, man, yeah, we weren't very quick learners. But actually, if you look at the background of the story, they had actually been rowing nearly nine hours by the time they got to this stage. They were in trouble and they were fearful. There's no Jesus to wake up and they don't know what to do. So imagine the scene in the boat again. Imagine the scene. They go, they're going over to the side. Jesus is not with them. Their expectation is to get to the other side, and suddenly up comes the storm again. And it's quite—I mean—to be rowing for nine hours, you, it must be pretty tough conditions. And they—they they completely forgot that they've been in this situation before. You know, did anybody think about, hey, what would happen if? You stood up, Peter, and you told these waves to be still. It's not recorded if that was a suggestion. It certainly didn't happen. Um, and they'd see Jesus model it. I mean, they'd been in the boat last time. This had happened. But do you know, stress and panic gives us really short memories. Um, really short memories when we're under pressure, we forget some of the amazing things that's happened. When I, when I went back to teaching after my, I'd had my girls, um, I got a teaching job in an urban school in Newcastle, and it, it, it was an urban school, so it didn't have any playing fields. It had quite a large playground, but down the center, almost like a playground divider, were two portable classrooms. And my classroom was at the end, so sticking out most into the yard. And when I took over this classroom, the, the teacher said to me, oh, terrible classroom. Every week, somebody will break the window with a football, and it's so damp in there, your pictures will fall off the wall. So when you come in the morning, your pictures will be on the floor. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> Not a good reintroduction back to teaching. And then I thought, no, actually. I don't believe that that's automatic. So every morning when I used to go, and I used to pray, to pray around all the tables for the kids, and I used to pray on the walls, and I used to pray against football coming in. 
And in that whole year, not one football came through the window. And not one picture fell off the wall. It was amazing. When I used to go home at night, the other teachers used to come in, because they didn't quite believe me. They used to come in and have a look. And I, and because nothing fell off the wall, you could put amazing stuff on the wall. So I had a field day in it. And it was so great that whole year. No dampness, no footballs, no shattered glass anywhere. Amazing. Fast forward to the next academic year, I got, I was promoted and got back in the main, um, the main school buildings. Lovely classroom, no chance of being, of footballs coming in the window, no chance of things falling off the walls. But it was a, it, it was a um, uh, primary one class, so a reception class, an English reception class, who were just, I mean, I think in those days it was probably about. 32 of them in there. And sometimes just chaos. And I would sit in the middle of this chaos and something would happen and it would set off a chain reaction. And I remember sitting and thinking, I've completely lost control here. I'm completely, these kids, I just, I just don't know what to get their attention back. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? I need to try that. Totally panicking. Totally panicking of that. I could, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ruling in my circumstances in that place. And, and that just reminded me as a purpose, it reminded me, you know, I'd forgotten what miraculous things had happened the year before. Um, because sometimes panic so fills our minds and stress so fills our minds, we can't remember, remember what, what, um, what God has done for us in the past and that God has always come through. God will never leave us in the same. Sometimes that gets crowded out by circumstances. So we, the disciples, they think, well, they see a ghost. And um, it's an evil spirit straight away. It's a bit Captain Mannering moment, you know, don't panic, don't panic. Um, they're terrified because they've actually never seen Jesus walk on water before. They've never seen anybody walk on water. So they're absolutely terrified. And so let's look at Jesus in these circumstances. He says, uh, don't, don't worry, it's me, it's me. Um, don't be afraid and then he says I am here and that I am is the I am of the Old Testament so basically he's saying to them don't panic guys God is here God is in your midst um, and they would have they would have picked that up of, the, of his terminology he was he was announcing his Godhead don't be afraid don't listen to your feelings keep your focus on me and here's Peter in the boat. I love Peter. I love Peter who's so spontaneous and he just sometimes there's havoc around him. But there's something in him that responds instantly to that I am. And he says, if, if it's you, Jesus, then can I come and join you? And that if is really important because he wasn't certain. He thought he was a ghost like everybody else. But if it's you, I'm taking you at your word, Jesus. If it's you, I'm going to take a risk. So, basically saying I can triumph over these circumstances. I can take authority and I can do what you're doing. Jesus says, go for it. It's me and you can do this. So, Peter grasped 
faith, not fear, in the situation. He tapped into who he was in Jesus, not just who Jesus was in those circumstances. So what are the other disciples doing in the boat? We can only imagine. But it was a whole range of emotions from what does he think he's doing? He's always like this. He's to, oh my goodness, is it really going to happen? Is he really going to walk on water? But the truth is, every single one of them could have gone over the side of the boat. It's just, it's just Peter who responded to the call of Jesus. So, Peter gets halfway across. He's, he's focusing on Jesus. He's walking on the water. How amazing must that be? He's walking on the water. And remember, this is not, this is not your nice, still, mill pondy water. This is... Huge waves, you know, general pandemonium out there. And so he's walking across, and, he, and then he's, his, his logical mind suddenly takes over. How many, times that, how many times has that happened to me? How many times has that happened to you? Oh my goodness, I've just seen so many people healed. Or oh, is that possible? Or oh, maybe they're not really healed. So his logical side of his brain starts to take over, and he starts to look at logically. I can't walk on water. Nobody can walk on water. And so he starts to look at his circumstances. He flips from faith into fear, and he forgot the voice of Jesus. That got drowned out in whatever was happening. And his little faith appears. His little faith. Again, when Jesus says, you know, um, Jesus said, what a little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? And it's that same word, it's that same meaning of brief, intermittent, which, which fits well in those circumstances because he had stepped out and was doing it. And I remember a situation when Jan and I, or Jan invited me to go over to the Edinburgh School of Supernatural Ministry and to, as she was going over there to preach, and she said, come along. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to go along. Really going to enjoy mixing with those people. I'm going as Jan's bagman, and, and it will be great. And on the car on the way over, she said to me, um, "Right, okay. When you get there, I want you to have uh, two very specific words of knowledge. I want names or dates." And initially, I thought, oh, "Okay, not as I'm expecting that, but okay, we'll do that." Apologies, this is just. The longer I got into the journey, and when I got there, I thought, I can't do this, I can't, I can't do this, oh, this is ridiculous, I can't do this, this is not going to happen, this is not going to happen. And then she, she made it worse by coming over towards the end of the worship and saying, are, are you ready to give these words yet? Which <laughs> totally freaked me out even more. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I can't do this, I don't have this, oh, this is not going to work. And absolute panic. So my, oh, this is going to be a great night, I'm going to really enjoy, flipped into fear about what I was going to have to contribute to this. And, and in the end, I mean, Jesus, I just felt Jesus say, oh, get over yourself. You know, just stop panicking. Stop panicking about it and listen. And as I, as I had, as I started to listen, uh, Jesus, Jesus gave me a, uh, uh, a name. And, and I thought, oh, 
that's not a very good name. Mary, there's bound to be a Mary here. I mean, that's like asking, you know, anybody with back pain to be healed. Um, and then uh, for somebody called John, and I thought, oh, John, that's another name that's bound to be here. Uh, and I thought, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to go with this. And so I said, oh, is it? Is there somebody called John here? And this guy, actually, who I had been behind in the worship of God, had already given me a word for, said, oh, my name's John. And I thought, oh, it's amazing. Gave him a word. And then it, he said, anybody called Mary? Absolute silence. And uh, I thought, see, God, there's nobody called Mary. Rather than being loads of people, there's nobody. It's just as bad. And, um, and, and then I just felt Jesus say, oh, Marie. So I said, okay, anybody call Marie? And this, this woman at the back, and I gave what I felt God had for her, and she was enormously impacted. It spoke to her, and it spoke to me at the end, you know. My panic and my, I just can't do this, had totally overwhelmed listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes our little faith is an obstacle because it's we're in faith and we're not or sometimes our little faith that we use all the time can be a learning process for us so what what did jesus do so there's peter starts to look at the waves straight down jesus didn't leave him to it jesus reaches down helps him back and he didn't carry him to the boat and he didn't leave him out there they walked alongside of one another. So Peter, from faith I can do this to fear I can't do this, was lifted up by Jesus and they both walked back to the boat. And Peter had to keep walking. He had to then overcome whatever panic he had. And when they stepped back in the boat, the storm ceased. And it says the disciples worshipped him as the I am. They had a revelation of who he was. Suddenly they saw, this is amazing. This is the amazing God that we're serving. They didn't quite have the revelation of who they, they were. Not quite grasped that. But they'd begun to. Peter had begun to a little bit. And through the rest of the Gospels, Jesus continues to develop and challenge them. So, did they ever fully understand not just whose they were I think they got that they, they recognised Jesus um, but who they were and what they carried yes actually they did at Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with power they were transformed and a lot, a lot of the times they remembered what Jesus had said to them and you know we can look at some of these new gospel stories and we can sit on a bit like a New Testament reality show of very detached, judgmental, we wouldn't do that, not really relevant to us, um, we wouldn't have reacted like that. But the truth is, actually, it's human nature. We all respond to it like this. Um, but the truth of we are co-heirs we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're called to co-labor 
We're called to release his kingdom wherever we go. We're called to take divine authority. Ephesians 6. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. This is Paul. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Because of this, you must wear all the armour that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. What an amazing statement by Paul. Who, who in his life, you read through the life of Paul, faced many of these challenges that we've talked about today. So, how are we doing? Let's, let's think about us for a minute rather than disciples or Jesus or the circumstances. How are we doing? And last week I left you with two questions and I'll remind you of those in a minute. And I'll, I've got a couple more questions that I want to leave you with and I, I would like you to ask Jesus these questions, not just think through intellectually in your, your own mind or even look at your own circumstances. But ask Jesus these questions and find some way of recording what he says to you. And that may be writing a journal, it may be painting a picture, it might be writing a song. Because I think what Jesus will speak to us as we ask these questions will always encourage us. And will always keep us going in that process of carrying more of the authority of the kingdom and, and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So I'll just remind you from last week of the two questions and that number one was Jesus, where do I have brief faith at the moment? And number two was Jesus, are there any life situations at the moment that you want to work through me and do not for me? So two more questions. If you haven't already done those, there's time to do it this week. But two more questions. Jesus, how am I doing in my walk with you in intimacy, whose I am, in identity, who I am, and authority, what I carry? So Jesus, how am I doing in my walk with you in intimacy, identity, and authority? And, and last question, Jesus, am I operating in faith or fear when I hear your voice saying, be brave, I am? Come and join me. Jesus, am I operating in faith or fear when I hear your voice say, be brave, I am, come and join me. And it's, it's great, I encourage you to find answers to those questions. Put ourselves in situations of challenge. There's a John Ortberg book actually that I read many, many years ago which says if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And I think that's, that's an important, let's challenge ourselves. Let's tell testimonies to each other of the good and the not so good. Do you know, we take risks, we take challenges. I'm sure when Peter got back in the boat, he said, guys, I nearly got it right. I got halfway there. Um, I'm going to get all the way next time. Um, and stay connected to the Holy Spirit and listen to when he wants to work through us and not for us. Do you know, in the 
in the context of the sec of the the first sorry the second storm in the just before the the, the Peter walked on water you know Jesus in the feeding of five thousand and Jesus is questioned to the disciples was you give them something to eat we as do we see our resources as heavenly and kingdom resources not just our own earthly resources so please ask Jesus those questions and uh, see what he has to say to us that encourages not only to be connected to Jesus but to actually allow Jesus to work through us as we build the kingdom in our world as we go to work as we go to school as we're at home whatever but actually Jesus wants us to reflect him in with power and authority to rule in our circumstances